Hello, everyone. Well, we're at the tenth chapter of the Battle of the Labyrinth. I think we're halfway done. Yep, we're halfway done. There are twenty chapters in all, and we're at the tenth chapter. We play the game show of death. Well, if you remember last episode, they all decided to summon Bianca D'Angelo's ghost. So, well, I mean. We've all seen plenty of horror movies, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it's one of them. So, well, don't listen to this in the dark. That's all. That's all I can say. So, well, let's begin. We did our summons after dark at a seven-meter-long pit in front of the septic tank. The tank was bright yellow with a flush smiley and red towards painted on the side, Happy Flush Disposal Seal. It didn't quite go with the mood of summoning the dead. The moon was full. Silver clouds drifted across the sky. Minas should be here by now, Nico said, frowning. It's full dark. Maybe he got lost, I said hopefully. Nico poured root beer and tossed a barbecue into the pit. Then began chanting in ancient Greek. Immediately, the bugs in the woods stopped chirping. In my pocket, the Stygian ice dog whistle started to grow colder, freezing against the side of my leg. Make him stop, Tyson whispered to me. Part of me agreed. This was unnatural. The night air felt cold and menacing. But before I could say anything, the first spirits appeared. Sulfurous mists seeped out of the ground. Shadows thickened into human forms. One blue shade drifted into the pit and knelt to drink. Stop him, Nico said, momentarily breaking his chant. Only Bianca may drink. I drew Riptide. The ghost retreated with a collective hiss at the side of my celestial bronze blade. But it was too late to stop the first spirit. He had already solidified in the shape of a bearded man in white robes. A circlet of gold wreathed his head, and even in death his eyes were alive with malice. Menos, Nico said, what are you doing? My apologies, master, the ghost said, though he didn't sound very sorry. The sacrifice smelled so good I couldn't resist. He examined his own hands and smiled. It is good to see myself again, almost in solid form. You are disrupting the ritual, Nico protested. Get the spiritual dead began shimmering dangerously bright, and Nico had to take up the chant again and keep them at bay. Yes, quite right, Master, Manos said with amusement. You keep chanting. I've only come to protect you from these liars who would deceive you. He turned to me as if I was some kind of a cockroach. Percy Jackson, my, my, the sons of Poseidon haven't improved over the centuries, have they? I wanted to punch him, but I figured my fist would go right through his face. We're looking for Bianca D'Angelo, I said. Get lost. The ghost chuckled. I understand you once killed my minotaur with your bare hands, but what worse things await you in the maze? Do you really believe Daedalus will help you? The other spirits stirred in agitation. Annabeth drew her knife and helped me keep away the, away the spirits from the pit. Grobo got so nervous he clung to Tyson's shoulder. Deadless cares nothing for you, Halfbloods, Minas warned. You can't trust him. He is old beyond counting and crafty. He is bitter from the guilt of murder and is cursed by the gods. 
To kill the murderer? I asked, who did he kill? Do not change the subject. The ghost growled. You are, are hindering Nico. You try to persuade him to give up his goal. I would make him a lord. Minos, enough, Nico commanded. The ghost sneered. Master, these are your enemies. You must not listen to them. Let me protect you. I will turn their minds to madness as I did the others. The others? Anbeth gasped. You mean Chris Rodriguez? That was you? The maze is my property, the ghost said. Not Daedalus's. Those who intrude deserve madness. Be gone, Minos, Nico demanded. I want to see my sister. The ghost big bat bit back his rage. As you wish, Master, but I warn you, you cannot trust these heroes. With that, he faded into mist. Other spirits rushed forward, but Annabeth and I kept them back. Bianca appeared. Nico intoned. He started chanting faster and the spirit shifted restlessly. Anytime now, Grogo muttered. Then a silvery light flickered in the trees, a spirit that seemed brighter and stronger than the others. It came closer, and something told me to let it pass. It knelt to drink at the pit. When it arose, it was ghostly form of Bianca D'Angelo. Nico's chanting faltered. I lowered my sword. The other spirits started to crowd forward, but Bianca raised her arms and they retreated into the, shed, into the woods. Hello, Percy, she said. She looked the same as she had in life, a green cap set sideways in her thick black hair, dark eyes and olive skin like her brother. She wore jeans and a silvery jacket, the outfit of a hunter of Artemis. A bow was slung over her shoulder. She smiled faintly and her whole form flickered. Bianca, I said, my voice was thick. I felt guilty about her death for such a long time, but seeing her in front of me was five times as bad, like her death was fresh and new. I remember searching through the wreckage of the giant bronze warrior she sacrificed her life to defeat and not finding any sign of her. I'm so sorry, I said. You have nothing to apologize for, Percy. I made my own choice. I don't regret it. Bianca! Nico stumbled forward like he was just coming out of a daze. She turned towards her brother. Her expression was sad, as if she had been dreading this moment. Hello, Nico. You've got so tall. Why didn't you answer me sooner? He cried. I've been trying for months. I was hoping you would give up. Give up? He sounded hard, heartbroken. How can you say that? I'm trying to save you. You can't, Nico. Don't do this. Percy is right. No, he's not. He let you die. He's not your friend. Bianca stretched out a hand as if to touch her brother's face. But she was made of mist. Her and evaporated as it got close to living skin. You must listen to me, she said. Holding grudges is dangerous for a child of Hades. It is our fatal flaw. You have to forgive. You have to promise me this. I can't. Never. Percy has been worried about you, Nico. He can't help. I let him see what you were up to, hoping he would find you. So it was you. I said, you send those iris messages. Bianca nodded. 
Why, why, why were you helping him and not me? Nico screamed. It's not fair. You are close to the truth now, Bianca told him. It's not pussy you're mad at, Nico. It's me. No. You are mad because I left you to become a hunter of Artemis. You're mad because I died and left you alone. I am sorry for that, Nico. I truly am. But you must overcome the anger and stop blaming Percy for my choices. It will be your due. She's right, Annabeth broke in. Kronos is rising, Nico. He's, he'll twist anyone he can to do his cause. I don't care about Kronos, Nico said. I just want my sister back. You can't have that, Nico, Bianca told him gently. I'm the son of Hades, I can. Don't try, she said. If you love me, don't. Her voice trailed off. Spirits had started to gather around us again. They seemed agitated. Their shadows shifted. Their voices whispered, danger. Tartarus stirs, Bianca said. Your power draws the attention of Kronos. The dead must return to the underworld. It is not safe for us to remain. Wait. Nicole said, please don't. Goodbye, Nicole. Bianca said, I love you. Remember what I said. Her form shivered and the ghost disappeared, leaving us alone with a pit, a happy flesh septic tank and a cold full moon. None of us were anxious to travel that night, so we decided to wait till the morning. Grover and I crashed on the leather couches in, in Garyons. I was about to tell Grayons. Like crayons, but crayons, like, ugh. Okay. Garyon's living room, which was a lot more comfortable than the bedroll in the maze, but it didn't make my nightmares any better. I dreamt I was with Luke, walking through the dark palace on top of Mount Town. It was a real building, no, not some sort of half-finished illusion like I'd seen last winter. Green fires burned in braziers along the walls. The floor was polished black marble. A cold wind blew down the hallway, and above us to the open ceiling, the sky swirled with grey storm clouds. Luke was dressed for battle. He wore camouflage combats, a white t-shirt, and a bronze breastplate. But his sword, backbiter, wasn't at his side, only an empty scabbard. We walked into a large courtyard with dozens of warriors and Dracinae? I think it's Dra Dracinae? Or Dracinae? Dracinae? I don't know. We're preparing for war. When they saw him, the demigods rose to attention. They bed their swords against their shields. Sit time, my lord, a dragnet asked. Soon, Luke promised, can you your work? My lord, a voice said behind him, Kelly the Empress smiling at him. She wore a blue dress tonight and looked wickedly beautiful. Her eyes flickered, sometimes dark brown, sometimes pure red. Her hair was braided down her back and seemed to catch the light of the torches, as if it were anxious to turn back into pure flame. My heart was pounding. I waited for Kelly to see me, to chase me out of the dream like she had done before, but this time she didn't seem to notice me. You have a visitor, she told Luke. She stepped aside and even Luke seemed stunned by what he saw. The monster compared towered o a the, mon the monster compared towered above him. That's that Kempe, that, that thing, that jailer where 
the freed briaries the hundred handed one yeah her snakes hissed around her legs animal heads growled at her waist her swords were drawn shimmering with poison and with her bat wings extended she took up the entire corridor you luke's voice sounded a little shaky i told you to stay on alcatraz Campes eyes blinked sideways like a reptile's. She spoke in the weird rumbling language, but this time I understood somewhere in the back of my mind. I come to serve. Give me revenge. You're a jailer, Luke said. Your job? I will have them dead. No one escapes me. Luke hesitated. A line of sweat trickled on the side of his face. Very well, he said. You will go with us. You may carry Ariadne's string. It is a position of great honor. Campay hissed at the stars. She sheathed her swords and turned, pounding down the hallway on her enormous dragon legs. We should have left that one in Tartarus, Luke mumbled. She is too chaotic, too powerful. Kelly laughed softly. You should not fear power, Luke. Use it. The sooner we leave, the better, Luke said. I want one this to be over with. Aw, Kelly sympathized, running a finger down his arm. You find it unpleasant to destroy your old camp? I didn't say that. You're not having second thoughts about your own uh, special part. Luke's face turned stony. I know my duty. That is good, the demon said. Is our strike force sufficient, do you think? Or will I need to call Mother Hecate for help? We have more than enough, Luke said grimly. The deal is almost complete. All I need now is to negotiate a safe passage to the arena. Hmm, Kelly said. That should be interesting. I would hate to see your handsome head on a spike if you fail. I will not fail. A new demon, don't you have other matters to attend to? Oh yes, Kelly smiled. I am bringing despair to our eavesdropping enemies. I'm doing that right now. She turned her eyes directly on me, exposed her talons, and ripped through my dream. Suddenly, I was in a different place. I stood at the top of the stone tower, overlooking rocky cliffs and the ocean below. The old man, Dedalus, was hunched over a work table, wrestling with some kind of navigational instrument, like a huge compass. He looked years older than when I'd last seen him. He was stooped and his hands were gnarled. He cursed in ancient Greek and squinted as if he couldn't see his work, even though it was a sunny day. Uncle! A voice called. A smiling boy about Nico's age came bounding up the steps, carrying a wooden box. Hello, Perdix, the old man said, though his tone sounded cold. Done with your projects already? Yes, Uncle, they were easy. Jarlis scowled. Easy? The problem of moving water uphill without a pump was easy? Oh yes, look! The boy dumped his box and rum- rummaged to the junk. He came up with a strip of papyrus and showed the old inventor some diagrams and notes. They didn't make any sense to me, but Daedalus nodded grudgingly. I see. Not bad. The king loved it! Perdix said, he said I might be even smarter than you. Did he now? But I don't believe that. I'm so glad Mother sent me to study with you. I want to know everything that you do. Yes, Daedalus muttered. 
So when I die, you can take my place, eh? The boy's eyes widened. Oh no, uncle, but I've been thinking, why does a man have to die anyway? The inventor scowled. It is the way of things, lad, everything dies but the gods. But why, the boy insisted, if you could capture the animus, the soul in another form, well, you've told me about your automatons. Uncle bulls, eagles, dragons, horses of bronze. Why not a bronze form for a man? No, my boy, Dedalus said sharply. You are naive. Such a thing is impossible. I don't think so, Perdix insisted. With the use of a little magic. Magic? <laughs> yes, uncle, magic and mechanics together with a little work. One could make a body that will look exactly like human. Only better, I've made some notes. He handed the old man a thick scroll. Dedalus unfolded. He read for a long time. His eyes narrowed. He glanced at the boy, then closed the scroll and cleared his throat. It will never work, my boy. When you are older, you'll see. Can I fix that astrolab then, uncle? Are your joints swelling up again? The old man's jaw clenched. No, thank you. Now, why don't you run along? Perdix didn't seem to notice the old man's anger. He snatched a bronze beetle from the mound of stuff and ran to the edge of the tower. A low sill ringed the rim, coming just above the boy's knees. The wind was strong. Move back, I wanted to tell him, but my voice didn't work. Perdix wound up the beetle and tossed it into the sky. It spread its wings and hummed away. Perdix laughed with delight. Even smarter than me, Dadless mumbled too softly for the boy to hear. Is it true your son died flying, uncle? I heard you made him enormous wings, but they failed. Dadless's hands clenched. Take my place, he muttered. The wind whipped around the boy, tugging at his clothes, making his hair ripple. I would like to fly, Perdix said. I'd make my own wings that wouldn't fail. Do you think I could? Maybe it was a dream within my dream, but suddenly I imagined the two-headed god Janus shimmering in the air next to Daedalus, smiling as he tossed his silver key from, silver key from one hand to another. Choose, he whispered to the old inventor. Choose. Daedalus picked up another one of the boy's metal box. The inventor's old eyes were red with anger. Perdix, he called. Catch! He tossed the bronze beetle towards the boy. Delighted Perdix tried to catch it, but the throw was too long. The beetle sailed into the open sky, and Perdix reached a little too far. The wind caught him. Somehow, he managed to grab the rim of the tower with his fingers as he fell. Uncle, help me! The old man's face was a mask. He did not move from his spot. Go on, Perdix, Dedalus said softly. Make your own wings. Be quick about it. Uncle, the boy cried as he lost his grip. He tumbled towards the sea. There was a moment of deadly silence. The god Janus flickered and disappeared. Then thunder shook the sky. A woman's stern voice spoke from above. You will pay the price for that, Daedalus. I'd heard that voice before. It was Annabeth's mother, Athena. Daedalus scowled up at the heavens. I have always, 
honored you, mother. I have sacrificed everything to follow your way. Yet the boy had my blessing as well, and you have killed him. For that you must pay. I have paid and paid, Douglas growled. I have lost everything. I'll suffer in the underworld, no doubt. But in the meantime, he picked up the boy's scroll, studied it for a moment, and slipped it into his sleeve. You do not understand, Athena said coldly. You will pay now and forever. Suddenly, Daedalus collapsed in agony. I felt what he felt. A searing pain closed around my neck like a molten hot collar, cutting on my breath, making everything go black. I woke in the dark, my hands clutching at my throat. Chrissy? Robert called from the other sofa. Are you okay? I stared at my breathing. I wasn't sure how to answer. I just watched the guy we were looking for, Daedalus, murder his own nephew. How could I be okay? The television was going. Blue light flickered to the room. What time is it? I croaked. Two in the morning, Grover said. I couldn't sleep. I was watching the nature channel. I miss Juniper. I rubbed the sleep out of my eyes. Yeah. Well, you'll see her again soon. Grover shook his head sadly. Do you know what day it is, Percy? I just saw it on TV. It's June 13th, seven days since we left camp. What? That can't be right. Time is faster in the labyrinth, Grover reminded me. The first time you and Annabeth went down there, you thought you were only gone a few minutes, right? But it was an hour. Oh, right. And then it dawned on me what he was saying, and my throat felt searing hot again. Your deadline with the Council of Cloven Elders. Grover put the remote control in his mouth and scrunched off the end of it. I'm out of time, he said with a mouthful of plastic. As soon as I go back, they'll take away my searcher's license. Never be allowed to go out again. We'll talk to them, I promised. Make them give you more time. Grover swallowed. They'll never go for it. The world is dying, Percy. Every day it gets worse. The wild, I can just feel it fading. I have to find Pam. You were, man, no doubt. Grover looked at me with sad goat eyes. You've always been a good friend, Percy. What you did today saving the ranch animals from Garyon, that was amazing. I wish I could be more like you. Hey, I said, don't say that. You're just as much a hero. No, I'm not. I keep trying, but... Percy, I can't go back to camp without finding Pan. I just can't. You understand that, don't you? I can't face Juniper if I fail. I can't even face myself. His voice was so unhappy it hurt to hear. We'd been through together a lot of things, but I'd never heard him sound this down. We'll figure out something, I said. You haven't failed. You're the champion goat boy, all right? Juniper knows that. So do I. Grover closed his eyes. Champion goat boy, he muttered dejectedly. A long time after he had dozed up, I was still awake, watching the blue light of the nature channel wash over the stuffed trophy heads on Garyon walls. The next morning, we walked down the cattle grid and said our goodbyes. Nico, you could come with us, I blurted out. I guess I was thinking about my dream and how much the young boy Perdix reminded me of Nico. He shook his head. I don't think one of us had slept well in the D 
demon ran shouts but Nico looked worse than anybody else. His eyes were red and his face chalky. He was wrapped in a black robe that must have belonged to Garyon because it was three times, three sizes too big even for a grown man. I need time to think. His eyes wouldn't meet mine, but I could tell from his tone he was still angry. The fact that his sister had come out of the underworld for me and not for him didn't seem to sit well with him. Nico, Annabeth said, Bianca just wants you to be okay. She put her hand on his shoulder, but he pulled away and trudged up the road towards the ranch house. Maybe it was my imagination, but the morning mist seemed to cling to him as he walked. I'm worried about him, Annabeth told me. If he starts talking to Minos' ghost again, he'll be all right. Yuri Tan promised. The cowherd cleaned up nicely. He was wearing new jeans and a western t-shirt and even trimmed his beard. He'd put on Garyon's boots. boots. The boy can stay here and gather his thoughts for as long as he wants. He'll be safe, I promise. What about you? I asked. Yuri Tan scratched Arthas behind one chin and then the other. Things are going to be run a little different on this ranch from now on. No more sacred cattle meat. I'm thinking about soybean power patties, and I'm going to befriend the flesh-eating horses. Might just sign up for the next rodeo. The idea made me shudder. Uh, good luck? Yep. Eurasian spat on the grass. I reckon they'll be looking for Daedalus's workshop now. Annabeth's eyes lit up. Can you help us? Eurasian studied the cattle grid, and I got the feeling the subject of Daedalus's workshop made him uncomfortable. Don't know where it is, but... Hephaestus, probably, in word. That's what Hera said, Annabeth agreed, but how do we find Hephaestus? Hiratian pulled something out from the collar of his shirt. It was a necklace, a smooth silver disc on a silver chain. The disc had a depression in the middle like a thumbprint. He handed it to Annabeth. Hephaestus comes here from time to time, Hiratian said. Studies the animals and such so that he can make groans automated copies. Last time, Aya did him a favor, a little trick he wanted to play on my dad, Ares and Aphrodite. He gave me the chain of gratitude, said if I ever needed to find him, the disc would lead me to his forges, but only once. And you're giving it to me? Annabeth asked. Yuritran blushed. I don't need to see the forges, miss. Got enough to do here. Just press the button and you'll be on your way. Annabeth pressed the button and the disc sprang to life. It grew eight metallic legs. Annabeth shrieked and dropped it, much to Eurytion's confusion. Spider? She screamed. She's um, a little scared of spiders, Grover explained. That old grudge between Athena and Arachne. Oh, sorry, miss. The spider scrambled to the cattle grid and disappeared between the bars. Hurry, the thing's not going to wait for us. Annabeth wasn't too anxious to follow, but we didn't have much choice. We said our goodbyes to Eurytia and Tyson, pulled the cattle grave of the hole, and we dropped back into the maze. Okay, this chapter has a lot of subparts. I think we'll do till there. I mean, the next part is one of my favorite, favorite moments, so it's a little Annabeth-y. So, we'll meet again. Next Sunday, only on the Prissy Jackson Podcast. Stay tuned.